Uh, it, is this is it show safe to ask why you only got four hours of sleep last night, Troy? I I, I had sleep issues. Um, I uh, I ran out of my stuff. Well, explosive diarrhea at night will it'll make me really. <laughs> Not only your characters, but now it's, intru- Narco- it's intruding in real life now. Narcolepsy, that, that narcolepsy and explosive diarrhea are a bitch. <laughs> Let me just Tur- tell you. Turtlepsy? That's Tur- a thing. Yeah. That's a thing somewhere. <laughs> yeah. That's why, that's why you never want to take X-Lax and NyQuil at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're just way I'm, too relaxed. You just right? way, too, yeah. way too relaxed. Oh, the problems of old age, you know. <laughs> that's what we have to look forward to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, infirmity and dotage. It's so funny. Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach and the host joining me this evening are Troy Sandlin and John Christian. Troy Sandlin, damn glad to meet you. Yep, John Christian, Likewise. equally glad to see you as well. Meet you, right. wait for you to hear me for... talk to you. Awkward. <clears throat> pleased to meet me, yeah. Pleased to meet me. <laughs> Please, pleased to make my own acquaintance. That's right. Right? Uh... Mm-hmm. It, well, that's it out just of the way gets now. worse. Yeah, yeah, good, done, <laughs> smooth. Three weeks smooth. in a row, we've we've uh, managed to make that. That's part of the shtick now. Painless, I, I yeah. think. I think it's official. Like, I don't if know. They keep but... coming back after they've the last three. They're like expecting the buffoonery. So I kind of feel right. like three weeks in a row, I kicked off a, a, oh, a here darn fine uh, greeting. Right. It's gonna be that again, huh? Yeah. And and then John, I'm just gonna let him do it this time. Just You're you right. know, like. You're right. The the Heidi Ho neighbor derailed you right out of the gate, and it's like, what the? Uh, well, uh, it was a little. We've already had this discussion. I'm not having this conversation again. You're not going to be baiting me. In, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. Nope. <laughs> and oh and your wife is standing right outside of you, going, "Oh my gosh, they are his podcast wives." <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were the old married couple. Nope. Sorry, dear. Yes. Honeymoon's yes, over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, and. Yes. Uh, so, we've got seven. No, six. I, I pared it down. I removed one of mine just to make it a little less painful. Uh, not painful. Painful. Uh, Damn, we had man. a lot. We had a lot. And we, we had to put the axe to it. Uh, but we have six news articles. I like all of them. Um so let's just let's just walk down the list. I think it's a good. We're gonna mix the kickstarters in a little bit. Um, I'll just start off, I suppose. Uh, how about a Kickstarter that hasn't launched yet? Um, mm. Red Sky. If you are on Facebook and you follow any sort of like D and D groups or the D and D page or anything, you probably have gotten targeted ads for red sky already um even though it hasn't launched you can go to their website it's solar-studios.com and you can check it out um i think it launches may 19th or something like that um all right for some reason i think that i'm very interested in this one even though it's another science fantasy 
5e presentation mm-hmm. um to me i think the thing that i like about this one is a its attitude it seems like it's got a thing that it wants to do it doesn't seem super generic um i like the presentation of it says it's a classical era world on the inside of a world ship um which i think is cool it doesn't seem like it's gonna have a lot of planet topping which i think helps set it apart and i like the idea kind of the visuals of it is that it's still going to be hardcore fantasy not a lot of techie tech on the on the player characters but a lot of tech around them which i think is a good uh fit and then the other thing that i think is really weird is they took 5e but they rebuilt it Hmm. um so like they made some of their own classes and they're bringing in some of the old classes but they've rebuilt the old classes um and they're kind of promising that their system is going to be super familiar if you know 5e but that you're going to find it to be really you know uh you know they've they've disassembled it and maybe you know fine-tuned some things made some replacements and then put it back together i think that's they were a cool probably idea. all like sitting around a table together thinking do we really need to re-engineer the entire thing? And then they were like, oh, there's the ranger. And they built the entire thing mm. around making the <laughs> ranger not suck, maybe. Uh, perhaps, perhaps. Uh, I really like that. I like the idea they're they're pitching six races that are kind of each standing on their own, um, which I think is kind of a fun way to present it. So there's no dwarves, there's no elves, there's humans, archivists. Night Riders, who kind of look like elves. Feather Folk, which are avian creatures. Wake Walkers, which are like shark people sort of a thing. Uh, Spore Spawn, which are like insects. So I think I think it's going to be cool. Um, don't really have a whole lot of details for you as far as pricing or anything. But I'm going to guess it's going to be in the $50 range for the, for the main book. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go on. Uh, I posted their like preview link here in the Twitch chat, but we'll also have it on our doobly-doo for the podcast. Um, and uh, I would encourage you to check it out. I think it's going to be interesting to take a peek at at least when it goes live. And I'm sure it'll have a quick start guide that you can get some of this weird stuff. It's presented really, really well on the Solar, Solar Studios website. It really is, yeah. Presented very, very well. They put a lot of resources and time um, into this. It looks really. I mean, like, I'm getting the vi- the vibe. I'm kind of getting. It's almost like a John Carter of Mars type yep. vibe, right? Which mm-hmm. I mean, uh, big fan. So I'm down with that's that. cool. Yeah, I I like the things like like they show a wizard lady and she's actually holding a book and a scroll. It's not like a data pad mm-hmm. and like a flash drive or whatever. Like right. like there's. I don't, I either want you to go, that's, this isn't even true. I like the idea that you're still playing a fantasy game in a tech environment. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. So like there's still anachronism that occurs yeah. within the science yeah. fiction element of it. Yeah. Right. I, it, it's kind of like a, I don't want to be a wizard if I'm holding a data pad. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to call it a wizard, 
I'm very excited that we're having a book and that you figured that out for your world. All right. Uh, That's mine. Red Sky. John, you have uh, a diverse lineup. Talk to us about whatever you want to talk about first. You got it. So this this will go quick, I think. At least two of these will go pretty quickly. First up is uh, we'll talk about Hasbro's profits in Q1 of this year. Wizards of the Coast is 75% of their profits. What? That's crazy. 75%. Yeah, so specifically from operating profit was 110 million up from 95.8 in Q1 in the same year. Total company operating profits were 147.3. Wizards, Mm -hmm. juggernaut. It's like bigger than their toys, bigger than their games, any of their other board games and things like that. So it's no... It's a no-brainer that they went that they created their own division from it. Um, I'd lo- I would love to see more of the insides out and outs about why if if there was a drop because there was less physical stuff happening last year, and if we'll see it that that dip will shoot back up in uh, twenty twenty one. Now that things are kind of opening back up again, and I don't know, it's 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 interesting to see that meteoric rise in Wizards of the Coast. Uh, within Hasbro, and now it's completely taken over. Taken over it financially, at least. Well, why do you th- why do you think that toys took a dip and might come back? Because yeah, I played with toys when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but it was usually by myself in my room. So I would have thought that with the whole pandemic, you know, toys may have had a bump as well. Because you know, you got to give your kids something to do. When he's stuck in the house, yeah, yeah I, but I think also that, you have to go out and buy the toy, right? Fair. Well, that, right. Well, that's what, and that's what I'm thinking. A lot of it is very kinetic for, for kids. Yeah. They'll like they'll watch commercials and they'll see they'll YouTube videos and things like that. But they there's like a there's a tactile element to it, maybe, or maybe and, there's like a, a stigma like, that was placed on it from other people touching the kids' toys before it got to them. And are, it's are the toys safe? Are we gonna like? I'm not even. I don't know for sure. That's why. Well, that's what I'm getting at. Why are there fewer toy sales than there are board game sales? I would point to two things. Maybe I think the lower thing would be um, like there were certainly months last year and this year where um, I wasn't taking my kid to the store with me when I went shopping. And if you're not taking your kid to the store and they're not begging for stuff, you don't buy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. that's one. But also, I think a big part of Hasbro sales is tied to merchandising for movies, kids' movies. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Basically got shut down for all of last year, movies. So, um, Very good point. That's good all point. commercials, or that, that's all movies really are. are Anymore. Big for commercials kids, for kids, merchandising. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that point. is, a, and it also, you bring up, you know, just board games in general. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, during the pandemic, I'm sure a lot of families were like, yeah, why am I going to buy my kid this toy when I could buy this game and the entire family could sit around the table and do stuff? Mm-hmm. And Yeah. The the other thing that I thought was interesting in this article is that basically the reason that Wizards grew so much was attributed to digital gaming sales from oh, yeah. D&D yep. and Magic. Digital games were the, were the hallmark and um, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's a, I wonder if they, later... they couple. Do they? Cu- I wonder if they cut. They couple that into digital licensing also. I'm right? sure. 
D and D Beyond, Roll Twenty, well, Foundry, Fantasy Grounds, right? V- all the VTTs. Do you think that that's lumped that's in there question. somehow? Probably so. If it but, is, but there's that's, a note that is that's not super surprising. There is a note though that uh, they did distinguish that tabletop games was separate from digital games. So there mm. may that may be their dividing presentation is like. Well, if it's truly for D&D tabletop purposes, it's over here, which would be like the licensing and stuff to D&D Beyond. But like the new, uh, you know, Baldur's Gate 3 would be mm-hmm. digital gaming. Mm-hmm. Right, so. Yeah, I think I'm going to do a deeper dive into this. I mean, I may have some some insights later on down the line to share. Yeah. Cool. Going to the more the, the nitty gritty. I'm really interested in it to see where those numbers are coming from and what they really mean. Awesome. Yep, so that was it for the first one. The second one is going to be, I think, a little bit controversial from me. Maybe. Maybe. Depends on how people how people take it. Uh, it's probably not new news now. Most people have probably already heard that Jeff Goldblum will be playing D&D uh, pretty soon with uh, Dark Dice, which was created and written by the Fool and Scholar Productions. Yes, he's um, not playing D&D. He's not? He is, what, he's dramatizing a character in D&D then? That's correct. He is okay. he is he is an NPC in a in a game that's already been played and is now being dramatized. Uh oh, okay. We'll see. Then I should read my own article deeper. <laughs> I? <laughs> You've been scooped, son. I have been scooped. Okay, so okay, that kind of takes a little of the wind out of the sails of what I was irritated about. Because what I'm what I'm kind of getting irritated about, like to me, whenever whenever celebrities kind of like latch on to a property or to a genre or a thing, then it tells me it sniffs of a fad to me and that it's going to be here and it's going to be gone. So what I worry about is that that's going to end up being D and D and D is not going anywhere, but the, this rise that we've seen it's that it's, it's temporary, right? And it's all things that the, the, the hockey stick upward trend is always going to be temporary. It'll plateau plateau eventually, but and this kind of smacks of, um, gimmicky just seems gimmicky to me i I, mean, I love uh, jeff goldblum and i and i've i've you know i've heard of dark dice it's nothing against dark dice whatsoever it's just this whole like market this like synergy thing right this marketing synergy and time and pulling off of a kind of suckling at the the fame of a, a celebrity like you know in whatever echelon of celebrity dome that they're in but um, as opposed to somebody that's really like a gamer coming out and playing and kind of normalizing the hobby and taking any stigma out of it by saying, yeah, the cool kids are playing this too. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just don't know how I feel about it. But now I really don't know how I feel about it because apparently it's a dramatization <laughs> and he's just an actor doing an actor thing. So good for Jeff Goldblum, I guess. And good for them for getting Jeff Goldblum to do it, I suppose. Well, it's probably a connection, but like, I... Like, I don't care if, if it's like, like, yes, it's always going to plateau, but let's, let's spike, let's get the spike as high as we can. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And retain as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. Right. As, yeah. as many players as possible. And, so, you know, like, I know you're a fan of community. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And if I recall on the D&D episodes of community, there were people in the cast who didn't give a rat ass about oh, yeah. D&D. Right. Sure. Um, so like, like. You can still make people who are just hopping on because it's 
a, a thing that that's interesting to be a part of right now, it, they can still make really cool stuff. So, well, that's right. So, in this instance, if it's just Goldblum being like a play, not yeah. a player, but like playing off of a role, an NPC, I, I get that. But sitting down, it it does like I'm saying, like whenever they do like a D and D live or a D and D celebration, when Watsi does run something and they get as many celebrities as they possibly can to play D and D, yeah. And it's like half of them have never played D and D before, and I'm not convinced that they're going to ever play D and D again. That just seems like a gimmick to me. So maybe that's just me being cynical. It is. Okay, but so, that's fine. Okay, so what makes that different <laughs> than you know getting? Your your friend or your or your relative, your cousin, your mom to sit down and play just to play, just to see if they like mm-hmm. it. They may never play again. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's not you know televised or, or going to be live streamed or anything like that. But I mean, w- what's different about that other than the fact that they're a celebrity and they may mm-hmm. never play again? They're getting paid. They're more than yeah. likely getting paid, and or, or, or and they're also they're using it as a means to broaden their reach and their, their fan base. Hmm. Um, you know, like the celebrities that we, that we got last year, I feel like they weren't doing anything else. So they played D and D because it was like, Oh, this is an online thing that I can do in order to stay, make sure that I stay relevant. So I'll do that. And then that, <laughs> that way people see my face and they know that I'm either not dead or that I don't look like Howard Hughes locked away in my house right now during the pandemic. Hmm. Well, I mean, and look, good on them for staying relevant. I'm not crapping on that at all. I'm just saying that, it, like, it, it to me, it's like a, it's part of a like a cycle of fads and things like that. Whenever people start glomming onto it, in order to like stay in, to get into the fad, the, it, the the spike doesn't last much longer. Is what I've noticed. That's like the, like a, a trend of it in the past. So, just hmm. an observation. Uh, Girk is mentioning here in the yeah. chat that he did a uh, that Goldblum did a uh, an episode of his show for I think it's Disney right or yeah. Matt Geo one of the two that um, he did a section on LARPing and seemed to really enjoy it so there may be a precedent for him enjoying the community if not the game beforehand so we'll see like I can understand why actors would enjoy it I can understand why writers would enjoy it it's something to help hone the craft like I could I could see it 100 mm-hmm. percent so yeah. I'm just saying like doing it publicly and doing it like 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 a like a televised streamed event type thing mm-hmm. it's not about like I don't know just there it's again it's probably the inner the cynic in me that, okay. that feels like that about it so have we done the same thing Three, three, three nobodies, three, three totally uncelebrity people. Have we tried to glom on to the fad of of D and D and creating a podcast and try to get in front of people and that's an build excellent question. A celebrity status for ourselves. Have I thought we you were bored. Thing? Weren't we bored last year? That's why we did this. Well, <laughs> to an extent, yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah, kidding. I think. Okay. I yeah. yeah. No, I'm like I said, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not, to, I'm not jocking on anybody right, that's just, trying to get like to to boost their their fan base or anything like that. I'm just it's. I'm talking about the trend, right? Right. That's that's what I'm getting at. It's like what it what it smells of to, to me like to Gerg's point is it it has like the smell of a fad, right? And it's going to be here today, gone tomorrow. Oh, 2020 was a really great year for D and D, and then 
and that's whenever it plateaued or that's whenever it plummeted. Everybody's going back outside now. The celebrities are all gone. You know, they don't come back that's, anymore. That's well, fine. I mean, like, like yeah. I'm not in it for the celebrities. So yeah, I don't or the, or the, or the, you know, like it's cool, but like if it shrinks back down to the size that it was with fourth edition, like I'm not going anywhere. So no, same. So I think we'll be all right. Right. I am enjoying, I'll be, I'll be the first one to admit, I'm enjoying how much people are enjoying it and the fact that people are trying it out and they, there's, they're kind of, they kind of get the stuff that I've loved about it for so long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely not like to grudge, to begrudge anyone from enjoying it or like coming to the table or any gatekeeping or anything like that. It's like, forget that, man. I want as many people as possible to play. And if they don't mm-hmm. like it, then they don't like it, and that's cool. The ones that stick around and kind of weather the storms of the ups and downs and the waves and the fads and stuff like that, then, you know, that's cool. Yeah. We're seeing more products come out. It's getting more attention. It's getting more love. I've got no problem with that whatsoever. I just, like, I worry about the longevity of the uptick whenever yeah. things like and this happen. I don't even, and like, to Zach's point, I don't think the longevity of the uptick matters. Because what in the long happened, run, it doesn't. Yeah, in the long run, it doesn't. Who cares? Mm-mm. You know, but like to Zach's point, let's get as many celebrities jumping on the fat as possible. Because, I mean, if if one, you know, side case Jeff Goldblum fan that has never heard of D&D checks this thing out just because Jeff Goldblum is part of it and goes, well, what's this? I've never heard of D&D before. I'm a big Jeff Goldblum fan and he was part of it. Maybe I'll give it a shot. And suddenly... Mm-hmm. They are. They become a D and D super fan as well, and it's, they're a life. They're they're hooked lifelong. Mm-hmm. So you're it. in the in the column of there's like no press is bad press, not like to that extreme where even bad press is good press, but like, well, no, because any any out any any reach is good to an extent. Yeah, I mean, because it's not it's not bad press. It's if if somebody's jumping, if a celebrity is jumping on this thing purely for the the fact that oh D and D is on the rise, my career is kind of at a standstill right now for whatever reason. I'm going to jump mm-hmm. on this thing and see if I can get a boost. And it brings some if and it brings a fan of theirs to become a fan of this. Awesome! It did its job. And if that celebrity then you know throws it away sometime in 2021 and never returns to it again, that's mm-hmm. fine because it's not going to hurt us at all. It's not going to mm-hmm. hurt anything. Because you're going to get people jumping on as it rises. Then when it finally hits its peak, it starts coming. You know, people are going to fall off regardless. And the more people we have jumping on, we can we can sustain people falling off. And it's not going to hurt. Yeah. I'm with you. Let's see where we're going. Um, okay. I think we flogged that one enough, have we not? All right. Well, so the, the last thing that I've got, way less controversial, and uh, I actually think awesomer. The thing this is I'm actually pretty excited about this one is Wayfarers of the Farwood. It's a new Kickstarter that's live as of this recording, 25, excuse me, 4, 24 days to go. They have, uh, they've met their pledge goal. I'm, it's unfortunate. It looks like they haven't, to me, it looks like this book deserves a little bit more love than it's been getting. So that's one of the reasons why I'm hoping it, a little bit of a signal boost will help out. Uh, with uh, getting some more people at the table, I just yeah. I I'm interested with this. I'm interested in the setting and the concept of like pinpoints of civilization with surrounded by a dungeon. Effectively, right? The wilderness is the dungeon, 
and getting from point A to point B in the world is incredibly hazardous. Uh, I, I, like not there aren't essentially there are no roads. There are almost like no roads and no easy paths between uh, between places. In addition, there are um, what they call it a terralanche, I think is what they called it. And this uh, where this magical occurrence, this ripple will change the landscape ar- uh, around uh, around you like in mid journey. And mm-hmm. you may be in a jungle at one moment and then a terralanche occurs and you'll be in a frozen tundra or something like mm. that. So the, the, the environment is incredibly hazardous and the environment is, it's essentially the MacGuffin. Getting from point, point A to point B is the adventure. And then like uh, communicating with the other, uh, uh, the other points of, of civilization. Uh, it is, looks like it's, it's a European joint. Um, yeah. That's the that, reason that it's having a hard time. You think so? Because it's a $50 book, which gorgeous book, mm-hmm. but then it's $25 shipping on top of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep. it's 75 bucks. Uh, again, I think it's an awesome looking book, but if I'm going to guess on, I mean, it, it's successful. They're going to be just fine. But the reason it isn't doing gangbusters is $75 for a hardback is a steep price to pay. Yeah. 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 It includes the campaign setting, uh, Lorzun. The world of Lorzun, a player's guide, and then there's a level levels one through ten adventure, the Iron Thieves campaign, that's uh, that's incorporated into it, which we talked about this before. A great way to introduce a, a campaign setting or a game is to have a, an adventure built into it. So, you know, that's a yeah. uh, they even they also say that you know to fully enjoy the book you're going to need the the core three books. Um, but uh, yeah, the, I love the the artwork looks really good. The cover looks good for the the uh, the hardcover. They got some new rules on travel. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, encounters are are selected based on terrain, character level, and how well the players navigate the farwood. Each day of travel must increase or decrease the party's danger rating, affecting how dangerous encounters may end up being. Mm-hmm. They have they essentially have two hundred ready to play encounters incorporated into the book as a part of this. Mm-hmm. Which even if I don't buy the book and ever play in the campaign campaign setting, having some canned encounters like that and maybe even like it's some nice. really interesting rules for travel because that's one thing that we talked about before where yep. travel can be really really boring. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so uh, spicing it up a little bit with some new rules and kind of have like a, a new little mechanic just to kind of facilitate um, mm-hmm. the the like a little bit more fantastical. Uh, journey between places. I could probably plug that right into a, an adventure that I'm already running at some point. Yep, exactly. I dig it. I'm going to have to back this. It looks really cool. Mm, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. They got uh, hunting and foraging skills, new spells, races and classes. Uh, they got a character creator. I mean, and again, really evocative artwork. I'm really liking, uh, especially that that first one that comes. They have which is kind of like a saber toothed rock bison thing that's uh, like kaiju mm-hmm. sized. Pretty cool. Now, if that's the kind yeah. of world that you're that you're that you're stepping into, then it makes sense why it's incredibly primal and raw, and the the spell energies are really raw too, and why it'd be so dangerous tra- uh, traversing that uh, that environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just sounds like a fun. I like the fact that it has a, a little a one through ten campaign in it because yeah, even if and I agree the the seventy five dollars and all that for is is a bit steep. I think places like your Kickstarters like this should have a print on demand mm. feature to it as mm. well um, to help 
help out with that because I'll I'll back it, but I'll back it at the uh, what it's called the uh, the Wood Chanter Pledge, which is all digital. Get you get everything digital that mm-hmm. way you don't have to worry about shipping. But mm-hmm. this would just be a fun ten week or you know whatever mini campaign to like a palate cleanser from yep. Your, something in your, between. Yeah, something in between. Your year-long yeah. Eberron campaign before you go into uh, Dragonlance or, you know, Iron Kingdoms or something like that. Mm-hmm. Let's get real primal and ride mountain-sized saber-tooth rock Stone cats. Stone bison. Yeah. Rock things. cats. Well, and by the way, I if, I if I've read this correctly, that's effectively, that's a god that's walking around. Well. that The gods roam the earth. These primal entities... Like that, and if it's, it just if it's not as because it, it, like you said, this feels very, very primal, very, very, mm-hmm. you know, we were just talking about before we started the podcast, uh, Apocalypto, mm-hmm. and you know, it feels very much, you know, that level of tech. So you're just starting to figure out how magic works in the world and and all this stuff. Even if that's not a god, those people are going to believe that's a god. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Oh, here I see we're getting an ask for a link, so let me uh, let me get that for you, Joe. Do, do, do. Do, do, do. And I was getting yeah. everything pulled up, so uh, actually Joe somebody heard a little money. bit of the beginning of yeah. a uh, video here. So Troy, you should go ahead and talk about these that I'm looking at. These what? Mine? You're too. Yeah. Oh, two. Like, mm-hmm. oh uh, first one, really quick is the Venture Maidens Campaign Guide. For those of you that don't know, Venture Maidens is one of the the, the longest-running all-female actual play podcast streams, you know, that kind of thing. And the DM is Celeste Conowich, who is a fantastic and prolific writer for 5th edition, and I'm, a, I'm guessing probably maybe some other systems as well. This podcast, it's only got four days left, but it's already funded. It did very, very well. Uh, it's coming out of uh, 2C Gaming, which Celeste now actually works for. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're they're doing this uh, Venture Maidens uh, campaign guide that that uh, that they've worked on to show other people, mm-hmm. you know, how their world actually works that they that they do in the uh, on the podcast. And uh, they've got these new systems, Heroic Destinies, to kind of like help guide and and build your characters. Uh, path forward to become something great in the world. They've got some thematic character subclasses. They've got a, a bestiary, um, different D and D support, living lore. Like I said, if if you know any, if you list the actual plays, you've probably heard of Venture Maidens. Um, check it out. It looks really cool. The artwork uh, obviously is going to be stunning. It's coming from Two C Gaming. Celeste, like I said, is a great writer. They've they've got a good team over there at Two C. So this is going to be something that's going to be, even if you don't particularly want to play in the Venture Maidens world, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to be able to, you know, cannibalize this thing up one side and down the other for your own game, I'm sure. <laughs> and, of course, that's what all good DMs do. We steal and uh, implement. <laughs> but uh, as of this recording, there's four days left. Go check it out. It, it can't hurt, that's for sure. I mean, it looks really, really cool. Uh, it's funded in 30 minutes. So, you know, just on the Venture Maiden name alone, I'm guessing people saw it and just... Um, my second one is Valbrick's Silver Ring from mm-hmm. Limitless Adventures. Yep. Uh, I don't know how I've missed the other ones in this series, but this is an adventure 
that you for fifth edition that does not require a DM. Mm-hmm. They've got a really cool mechanic where if you've played games like Shadows over uh, Shadows of Brimstone, Warhammer Quest, things like that, uh, their card they have a card mechanic where you take you draw two cards. One card is the starting encounter. The last mm-hmm. card is the last encounter. And then each player at the table is dealt five cards. From their hand of five cards, they then pick what encounter of those five cards they want to see as part of the adventure. You roll a die to see who lays their card down first, second, third, fourth, fifth. Then it switches. Whoever put their card down first runs the last encounter. Whoever put their card down last runs the first encounter. So you you, you flip the card. It has a corresponding encounter fleshed out in the book. And you play through the scenario Everybody running their characters as normal, mm-hmm. and the uh, the the scenario in the book kind of tells you the 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 win loss conditions, what treasures you get, what clues you might find, things like that to move you on down to the next part of the uh, of the adventure. And this book, Valbrick Silver Ring, has three adventures included: uh, an unexpected invitation, through the fire, and ruins anvil. And if I remember correctly, this. Yes, it's for, uh, starting at 8th level for this yeah. uh, adventure. And uh, there's, uh, w- I believe, two others that have already yep. come out in this series. And I'm really interested in this because this, I mean, I'm a forever DM, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But something like this, another thing, like uh, for the, the Wayfarers of the of the far, Farwood, a nice palate cleanser. The DM mm-hmm. can sit down and get in on the fun for a change. And nobody else has to step into the DM seat. I am threatened yeah. by their mechanics. I don't like it. <laughs> well, and something else I think this Can might you do. Take my job. T- taking reserves. <laughs> I think something else this might do is kind of hit the DM nerve in players that have never DM'd before. Mm. Because the a different player at the table has to run each encounter mm-hmm. that's set forth by the cards. So you might have a player that's never DM'd, never wanted to DM, but guess what? If you're playing by these rules, when it comes to their their turn to flip that card, they are in charge. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they have to run it. And you've got the book right there to help you help you through it everything, but it might give those people that are a little nervous about sitting in the DM chair a, a nice taste so that they can do this. And I mean, I love the idea of, you know, solo play adventure books, uh, DMless adventures, things like that. And this just sounds really cool. And it's Limitless Adventures. And they have done some seriously solid things in the past. I can't imagine this would be anything different. Yeah. Art's I've cool. got... If if you are a frequenter to Game Hall Con, you probably saw them having a booth there. Um I picked up, I think, Limitless Monsters from their booth at a Game Hole Con, and I've backed several of their Kickstarters since. Um, uh, the, the creator that I met, his name's Andy, really nice guy, um, and uh, I really like the projects that they're putting out. They're also mainly, like, they've got monster books, they've got NPC books, they've got stuff like that, and all of them are typically soft covers uh, and cost... Uh, sensitive so um you know i think their soft covers are like 20 25 bucks and uh that's a nice change of pace from buying a bunch of hard covers so um 
yeah the uh the box sets these dmless adventures are like 30 35 somewhere in there i think 35 bucks um and yeah those look really cool they're in a they're in a box uh which is a cool feel and they've got cards like you said troy it it's just a different sort of presentation which i think is intriguing in and of itself so yeah Yeah. i find it very interesting i find it very uh Mm-hmm. I think it'd be fun just to sit down and do. Yeah. Try it out. 100%. Well, cool. Uh, glad you covered that one because Andy's a really great guy and uh, his projects deserve to be chatted about when we can. They also run very quick Kickstarters most of the time. Um, their uh, DMless adventures are the long ones at, at 24 days or whatever, but most of them are like 10 days, so it's hard for us to get to chat yeah yeah so all right uh that looks like all the news for today so we're gonna go refill our drinks and dive into our main topic yes indeed and uh hold on to your butts because it might get a little scary All right, we are back, drinks refilled, and uh, ready to chat. Ready to Troy, chat. Uh, Troy pulled an audible on us uh, did. this week. Omaha! That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, some news came out, and then some more news came out, and then uh, uh, Master Keith Baker put out some news, and... Um, think where it ended up is that we're going to talk about Ravenloft this week. Yep. I think so. So, um, so Troy, you, I think we're all excited, but, but, uh, you kind of got this train rolling. So why don't you kind of walk our listeners through, uh, what, what has happened in the interwebs? Well, what had happened was, uh, Keith, uh, posted a little, a little blurb insinuating that, uh, he's working on a project for Eberron. Mm-hmm. that may talk about the Day of Mourning. Mm-hmm. And it's linked to Ravenloft. Ravenloft. Yes. Now, for those out there that have no idea what the Day of Mourning is, mm-hmm. uh, in, so in, give in, us the 30-second thir- the elevator speech. All right. It. In the setting of Eberron, uh, there were uh, five nations all warring with each other for almost 100 years. Um, on uh, towards the end of that hundred years, um, out of nowhere, this uh, magical cataclysm happened, and this large magical wall of fog rushed out from somewhere inside uh, the nation of Seer and came right to the very borders of Seer at the time mm-hmm. and stopped. Mm-hmm. And that wall is still there four years later. That is the start of the campaign setting is four years after this day of mourning. Everything inside the Mornland is warped and twisted. Uh, you'll see feel, battlefields of bodies that look like they were just slain. They're not decomposing. Uh, they look uh, fresh. You know, to be kind of gross about it. Uh, There's living spells Mm -hmm. roaming around this wasteland. 
so if you could imagine a living fireball or a living cloud kill, power word kill, all this kind of stuff, uh, roaming around, whatever happened to be cast at the moment of the morning, uh, possibly uh, lives. And the only thing that really thrives there are Warforged. And there are rumors that the Lord of Blades has decided that he wants to uh, create a new nation of Warforged inside what is not now just, called the Mornland. Not just rumors, I think, at this point. like, Well, I mean, that's true. I know, I know we're getting into a little bit of spoiler territory, but Spoiler it, alert. It's about a year at this point since you would have heard, could have heard the spoiler, but I think he is there and he, that is what he's trying to do. So, so that, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, designer, Keith Baker, has always said and always stood by he doesn't know what caused the morning. Mm-hmm. He's given different ideas that it may have been. But it is up to each individual DM to decide if they even know what the cause is and to decide what that cause is. So, you know. So, Table of Contents and Ravenloft. Mm -hmm. Table of Contents and Ravenloft got leaked piece of it. Yep. Other Domains of Dread, and the very first one, is Seer 1313, the Morning Rail. In Eberron, they have have these train-like vehicles called lightning rails mm-hmm. and there happens to be some rail lines going through the mornland that they can't use anymore mm-hmm. and so we're kind of speculating seer 1313 is that the train station is that the or yeah the, the lightning rail station is that the actual lightning rail train it's like like a phantom train zipping through the mornland or something but the, the big thing is, this means that the mists of Ravenloft, of the Domains of Dread, are now canonically linked to Eberron. And we had a little mm-hmm. bit of a discussion about that today. And uh, I think that's what this is going to be about, mostly. And I, for one, am kind of mm-hmm. excited about it. Yeah. So, what? okay, so help. let's help get people in the right spot here. So, that comes out. Uh, table of contents. We know that Seer is in some way tied to, and the, this rail is tied to um, Ravenloft. And we know that Keith Baker is implying that the Day of Mourning might. So the the exact word of the of the Twitzwar here is, um, ever wonder what happened to Seer on the Day of Mourning? Maybe the mists hide more secrets than just the Mornlands. So there's this idea, right, that maybe there's, maybe the day of mourning could be caused by something, but what if it also just kind of invited something? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple things there, but then on top of that, we have Van Richten's guide coming out, and a lot of folks, I think, imagine Ravenloft as being a thing, right, which is Strahd's. Right. Strahd's domain or whatever, right? His domain of dread. But there's this idea now, right, that Ravenloft is all of these domains kind of interwoven together is also something of Ravenloft. And and that's what, uh, in second edition, they came out with uh, the domains of dread. Right, second edition? 
Mm-hmm. It's, that sounds all, right. mm-hmm. it's all the different yeah. areas. Um, and I have some pulled up here. They have, I mean, there is a lot. I did not realize how many there were. Oh, there's so many. Do you have, because in the book that's coming out in a, in a few week in a week or two is there's 30. Yeah. And so you have the core of the Demi Plane of Dread. You've got Barovia, which is where Strahd yeah. is. Blaustein, Borka, Darkon, Dementialu, Dominia, Forlorn, Keening, Mordent. Uh, Carnival. Yeah, Carnival, Valshan. And then you have the Amber Wastes, which there's Har-Akir, Farazia, Sebua, the Frozen Reaches Cluster, the Shadowlands Cluster... Verdue, I don't even, yeah, there's all these clusters and islands and all kinds of stuff. There's a crap ton of mm-hmm. bad places to visit. Mm-hmm. And at one time, there was a realm, a domain, centered around... Uh, it's a very little-known character in a, you know, a very long-forgotten series of novels we go. Uh, named Lord Soth. And his domain was Sithicus. And supposedly, you know, Lord Soth was a very tragic mm-hmm. character in Dragonlance. And I kid, because Lord Soth is a badass. Uh, but... Uh, oh, he's in the, the Darth Vader of Dragonlance. He baby. is. He's basically, yeah. You think If you think Verminard is, a, is bad, <laughs> Lord Soth is just, yeah. Yeah. But... One, uh, one side red. One side red. But, uh, yeah, he was pulled in by the dark powers of... The, the domains because he was such a a tragic evil entity and the story behind that is Weiss and Hickman were not consulted in this they you know TSR at the time just did it so it was kind of like a frowned upon thing so apparently mm-hmm. uh, Sithicus is not currently that I could tell going to be a part of the nope. new Ravenloft book. it's not in there which yeah, and then unless and it's, kind of unless going back it's to that really quick. So Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman even yeah, they even um they even retconned it whenever they did the, the War of Souls trilogy. Uh spoiler alert, everybody out there. <laughs> whenever they did this this the War of Souls trilogy, there was a scene where Soth shows up in that trilogy. And he was definitely not in the domains of dread at the time, and it was a really, really killer scene. Where uh, they did they did old Sothy some good justice, but um, yeah, so it, it's I'm kind of encouraged by that that they didn't go down that route. They could have it could have been a grab, or maybe it's, it was done intentionally to, to keep them separated. Or I'm not really sure exactly what the play was on it because I was I was also unsurprised to see Eberron included in there, and that's I think where the the kind of like the 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 genesis of the discussion. Uh, yeah. Before the podcast happened, was um, like the nature of it, right? Like again, not not strong feelings, just fully formed opinions from me on it. Uh, I'm not burned up or upset by it. It's not that big a deal. It is what it is. But it definitely feels like they're they didn't do it. They didn't include Eberron <clears throat> in the Ravenloft mythology or vice versa because of any like there was like an, uh, an overarching plan kind of like the marvel universe architecture where they're trying to bind everything together and they're using the domains of dread to kind of do that it was kind of like oh and let's plug an eberron thing in there because that's good brand marketing synergy 
kind of thing mm-hmm. is what it kind of felt like to me. And that, it, that that's John's point of view. My point of view is completely different. Because mm. <laughs> John's mm. point of view yeah. is wrong, and I'm. What is your right. point of view? Go ahead, man. My tell po- us. Tell, tell the people. All right. Mm. My point of view is this. Uh, it, it's always long been stated that in Eberron, if it is found in D and D, there is a place for it in Eberron. That does not mean it has to 100 percent exist in Eberron. But there is a place you can put it. Mm. And that goes for Planescape, Spelljammer, uh, any other like weird settings like that, and Ravenloft. Because the Ravenloft mists travel anywhere they want to go. Which is why I don't understand why mm-hmm. you don't like the idea of Lord Soth being pulled in for his own domain. He is, a, he is an awesome tragic entity that the dark powers feed off of because here's 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 the thing that that uh the thing about ravenloft that, that kind of is a do you want do you want dragonlance to be pure john is that your real desire here is that like don't don't no. you don't uh, you get any of my Lord forgotten Soth realms and, is and my dragonlance cool for ravenloft yeah, Lord Soth is too cool for Dragon for uh for Ravenloft. Ravenloft, I'm telling you that right now. Like, lo- I actually, in all honesty, part of it is like I do- I would never want Dragonlance to lose Lord Soth because it's definitely one of the most interesting villains that are in it. The one mm-hmm. of the most badass villains that are in there, and for him to kind of like just like slide over into another campaign setting seems like a cheat. Like, no, no like that's don't don't take okay. him. Like, take one of the other like lesser known villains or something well, that's like that just instead, you can't right? take a lesser known villain because and, and not- by the way i don't and i don't have a problem at all i don't have a problem at all with um them transplanting bits and pieces of other uh of other settings into ravenloft that makes sense the creation of additional domains of dread by by like yeah by uh pulling out from certain worlds and then plugging them into their own little subdomains totally get it that's very ravenlofty i think that it just seems like now are they going to retcon or like keith once said i don't know what it is and now all of a sudden the new ravenloft book comes out and oh the day of mourning was connected by uh something that happened it's like what it's the mists oh you didn't know it was those mists did you just seems like pretty i don't know it it seems awfully ironic or 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 advantageous that he kind of had this epiphany and the book came out at the same time it just seems like a capitalization on well i Again, I think one, the book. Uh, I think he found on, out on that pod, the book. Oh, oh, go ahead, yeah. I think he found out that. I think they told him that he was going to get or talk to him about Seer being in this book, and he said, "Oh, that's a cool idea." Yeah, and so he now he knew the dates for Van Richten's guide. He put together some writers. We know some of them actually, or at least one of them. That hasn't been announced yet, but there's one that we know. Um, and he's, yeah, he's going to capitalize on it, but I think that that's cool that like, there's that collaboration, especially because Eberron is one of the very few settings that we have right now for 5e. So I want it to, I want it to get more time in the Mm. spotlight. And, and, and really it's still all optional content. It's like if, if you're an Eberron purist, Oh, sure. You don't have to, but, but the thing of all D and D settings are connected just like with, the Magic the Gathering settings are kind of, you know, they're yeah. being d and so that they can also be used, which, for those of you that listen right before this coming v- VDW, if I understand it right, if you're playing in 
the preview of Vanity Richardson's Guide to Ravenloft. Not uh, AL. The House of Lament. It's not AL. The guidelines for making That's a character correct. is a third level character from any. Uh, Bring your Ravnica. Yeah. Folks, from any tarot, rule folks source from Wizards. It says specifically any official source. Any official source. Yeah. It does any not say source. any official AL source. So you could bring me uh, right. a character from Ravnica, a character from Theros, a character from Eberron. Now, I don't know any of these places at all, but um, I would have loved to have seen a Ravnica crossover mm-hmm. in this book. And, and There's I nothing saying that there isn't one in there. I wonder if we that's just don't know like, yeah. other domains of dread, right? Well, I looked. I looked at if all there's of those, a, one of these. I have no idea what they are. I looked at all of those ones that, that you can see in the in the little clip, mm-hmm. and they are all old domains, except for Seer thirteen thirteen, the Morning yeah. Ram. And if if they were going to do one, mm-hmm. it probably I don't know much about um, magic, but it would probably be Innistrad. Because it's there. Well, that is, that is Ravenloft, really. It's well, I know, but Ravenloft. I'm just saying, like, it's mm. easy. It'd be easy to slip that in because they already got a source book PDF for mm. free that they could just draw on for resources and call it good. Um, By the way, let me so, say something else too about like sure. when you when you mentioned that Dragonlance, like the pure the purity of Dragonlance. I don't think that's it necessarily. Like I'm. <laughs> I've got a pretty open mind about it. It's not like super duper crystallized old school grognard. It has to be an exact way. I will I, say this though, if we're talking about like the the cosmology of Dragonlance, though, for the nerds out there that know, uh, Dragonlance is is a closed cosmos where the Dome of Creation protects Dragonlance, the like Kryn and all that stuff from any meddling, tampering, or otherwise. So technically, the domains of Dread should not be able to like intersect or overlap or invade or anything like that it's it's this closed off biodome no nope (laughs) is because i i guarantee Uh, you that in the fifth edition version of dragonlance whenever it shall drop we'll have a shadow film right Mm -hmm. and a fey wild and things like that oh I I, mm. I can almost guarantee you it will see, but that's because the thing. That's now, the that's what makes it unique, though, and different. It's not like mm-hmm. Eberron, where I Eberron is all I things D and D and all things. Dark Sun Dragonlance is, is like nope. is a is a different thing. Nope, it's 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 theirs. Uh, D- Dark Sun is the same thing. They always said back in the day in Second Edition. Oh no, the the crystal sphere around Dark Sun is completely enclosed. You can't access it. That's why the gods can't get back in and all this stuff. But there's stories about the mists touching Athos. Those mists are... Yeah, but are they canon? Uh, as canon as anything. As canon as anything. It hasn't been written for five years. I mean, because like, again, you look at Dragonlance. As soon as Margaret and Tracy say, nah, we don't like that, then the fan base is going to go, okay, well, Sithicus doesn't exist, and that was a cool kind of what-if or a kinder tale. And that's cool. And I'm not interested in that being, like, muddled in. I knew he was a purist. Listen and that, to that. And yeah, and, that's, to be and that's fine. I'm not a purist, man. It's fine. I, I, yeah, whatever. Whatever, <laughs> muggle. Um, you mudblood. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, but it's like, that's <gasps> the point. How dare you, sir? But that's the point, right? It does. If you're a purist, then be a purist about it, and nothing touches Dragonlance. It doesn't matter. Just because it's in the book 
doesn't matter. But here are the ideas if you want to include it. Because that was always one of the things that I thought of for the day of mm-hmm. mourning. Because here's one of the things that I find interesting. All, like like Forgotten Realms, Faerun is touched by the mists, right? And we're all okay with that. For whatever reason, John's okay with that. But. but <laughs> precedent, what, sir. Precedent. precedent. But is a portion of the Forgotten Realms, has a portion of the Forgotten Realms been sucked into the mist. I don't know if it actually has. So where did Baro- where was Barovia before it got sucked into the mist? And after it was sucked into the mist, what was left behind on that world of the area that was Barovia? So therefore, with just that idea in mind, that could be Seer. Whatever happened to Seer this left behind that is now the morning, the mornland, could be what happened to whatever world Barovia came from. Mm-hmm. And so if you go to that world, there's this area that is surrounded by this dark wall of fog, and you go in, and it's this nightmare version, an even more nightmare version, of Barovia that was left behind in its wake, and then the essence got sucked into the domains of dread. Now, to your point, you don't want Lord Soth to go to to go to Ravenloft or the domains. Fine, but something could have. Sithicus could have. No, sure. Yeah, I, I get that. But again, let me let me uh, here. Let me put it a different way. Does everything have to always be homogenized? Right. But does everything? Does, do you have to have like an intermingling and interweaving? But it kind of is, though, right? You said it yourself that there's like a. A, pl- a play of a play between the different campaign settings as, a, as opposed to and I'm not even just like championing for for Dragonlance. I'm also talking. I'm talking about uh, Dark Sun, where mm. they say that it's one thing, but as soon as it's market, it's like brand and marketing or revenue stream convenient or beneficial that they well, start synergizing. Okay, and, so oh, well, then we start retconning it and we start tinkering with the cosmology in order to make sure now right. look i'm not a fool right. i'm gonna sit here and say that anything is pure but go ahead go ahead, go ahead. No, that point right there is where i call shenanigans because adding that little blurb that's probably two pages in this book Maybe about seer yeah. 1313 it's the a third of Rail, a page yeah a third of a page whatever it might be that is not pulling in a a boatload of buyers and neither will Sithicus, and neither will whatever connection to Athos. It is if you're a Ravenloft fan, you're going to buy this book, whether whether Sithicus, Seer, or Athos is connected to it at all. Nobody gives two shits about it. The fact that it's there allows you to do the connection, and now oh, you have you're a so pathway. cranky today. Exactly, I told you. I had four hours of sleep. That's what it does to me. Fires, <laughs> fires me up. Cranky bitch, you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But it allows you to do that cool one-off character. I can ha- I can have a character from Earth show up in Ravenloft, and then once it's all said and done, get sucked back into into Forgotten Realms or something like that. Or I can have everybody's from. I can say, okay, I don't care where you come from, as long as it's a Wizards of the Coast setting, you can come from there, and you have a person from Theros, a person from Ravnica, a person from Eberron. Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk, whatever, and they get sucked into the mist and they're thrown together and they're all like, uh, you you guys look kind of familiar but kind of strange because you're you're dressed funny and 
And you're all different from the people that are from whatever domain you landed in. So it's all that fish out of water. It's that connective tissue that gives you that story point. Like I had you somebody know, say that they, you know, at one of my uh, Icewind Dale games, that he was play, His background was was a far traveler, and mm-hmm. he was he was a half giant Goliath from Athos. Mm-hmm. And this gives you that interconnectivity, that way to do those kinds of stories. If you don't want it. Cool. You don't have to have it, but this gives you those no, no, no. inroads. I'm with you. No, I'm not. I'm not championing against it. Again, not a strong opinion. Just it, fully formed thoughts on it, right? Yeah. And but so, it's, but it's it, not going to drive money. But it's not going to drive money. To your, I've actually, I've run whenever I ran Curse of Strahd, It came out of Dragonlance. Whenever my players played in it, it was Dragonlance, and then the mist showed up and pulled them into the domains of dread. And so I'm not. I've got nothing mm-hmm. against using it as an option and thinking like it'd be a neat thing that your players could do and kind of having like a little sidebar that says, "Oh, DMs, by the way, if you were wanting to pull this into Dragonlance, here's how you could do it." Ah, yeah, totally get that. What I'm worried about is about the, the like everything being bland, right? And like mm-hmm. everything like Forgotten Realms is really popular. Let's make everything like. Forgotten Realms. I wouldn't want that for you with Eberron. I would want Eberron to have its own flavor and its own tone. And even though there are goblins everywhere and all of the different versions of the, the worlds that are out there, the goblins should be a certain way for Eberron. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Is to have that instead of it, it being like, again, this really milk toast well, how, across how, the board. Everything's okay, kind of so the same. How, how, does this one, how does this one book do that? It doesn't. I'm not saying it does. I'm just saying it seems like it's really convenient that the timing is all I was really saying. Well, That's where this kind of came from. It's like, oh, well, isn't that it, uh, convenient? To me, to me, there's no timing to it. It's They've ramped up their production schedule, and they're just crapping out books left and right sure. all of a sudden. And yes, and, and again, this is, this is that because they've always wanted to bring the worlds of, of Magic the Gathering into D&D, and this is one pathway. When yeah. Planescape comes out, there will be another pathway. Mm-hmm. And there will be a connection to Dragonlance. Or Spelljammer. To Eberron. And Spelljammer. If, you know, if they want to mm-hmm. open up the, the Crystal Spheres a little bit. But, Let me ask you this, though. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Why do we need a spell? Like, okay. I am not an, an older edition player. So this is coming from that mindset, right? Of you don't know what you don't have, right? What you've never had. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't. I see zero point in a Planescape book at this point. Well, yeah, fair enough. I mean, there's a, well, and there's a zero point in a, Nebra, or a, a Ravenloft book too, because you could. Well, you know, I mean, I, I like give me one way to hop between planes, and I'm good. Why do I need a second one? Because mm-hmm. because there's people out there that don't like ho- the horror aspect of Ravenloft. I see. It's more generic then. And then Spelljammer is more sci-fi. Yeah, and that's it, just you just pick your poison. Sort yep, of thing. It, it, I'm not. And yeah, Planescape is in no way generic. It is it's its own unique, strange, dirty London underground flavor. Mm-hmm. Well, but mm-hmm. well, I'm saying like it's not heavily genreified. Is that a fair statement? It's, it's yeah, yeah. It's its own genre. Yeah, because I would say. I, I guess that makes sense to avoid the horror aspect, but like on my end, it's like all I need is a way to and from. Yeah, and right? this, this provides you one way, right? And you already have one with Baba Yaga. I get having canon, right? additional oh, okay. access points, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, I get the idea of having like multiple points of entry between the two. That there are different doorways and windows between between the barriers that kind of separate the different worlds. And so, if you want to do like this really epic homebrew thing where you jump from Forgotten Realms to Dragonlance to Eberron to Athos to you know, mm-hmm. the, what is a hollow earth or wherever it is you want to end up going to the real world and back and forth. Well, then you kind of have like at least like this nexus point and like the little mm-hmm. threads that allow you to do that. That's kind of canonized. So I get that. I totally get the appeal. And this isn't me being like, like poo pooing it. The, the, mm-hmm. the timing was the only thing that I had, why I had brought sure. up in the first place. Convinced. Yeah. I, I guess the timeline, the, the timing part is just completely lost on me. Cause what, what about the timing? Which I mean, which part? That Keith Baker has something that he's coming out with that that could possibly fundamentally change the way that we look at the Moorland and the Ravenloft book come out. Oh well, well that's that's timing time. on him. That's that has nothing to do with Wizards timing. That's timing on him saying, sure. "Oh no, no, no!" I, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. I wasn't trying to be like I'm not. I'm not looking at Wizards for this. Now but, I'm getting it. Now I understand. Because yeah, because yeah, because definitely Keith would be like, "I gotta, you know, I gotta strike while the iron's hot." Yeah, I gotta yeah. capitalize on this. It's 100% yeah, I'm not mad. One, yeah. I'm not mad at all. I get it. Now I understand. Because I was like, I didn't understand. It's like, how, what timing from Wizards to do what? I don't. I didn't get it. No, but no, no. It wouldn't make any sense. Now no, it wouldn't make any sense for me to be upset with Wizards because Wizards has done the same thing with every single one of their source. Oh, well, not yeah. all of them, but like most of their source books that are like the generic source books. Like there, here's a smattering of Dragonlance, a smattering of this thing. And even though it's like, like really forgotten realm centric they're still like here's a little love for this one and here's a little bait for for that one over there so that's totally that like there's a there's a precedent that's yeah, what i was getting yeah. at there's a precedent for wizards of the coast doing that but not for keith and eberron no like, eberron was like was like this pure to, to use the words pure right mm-hmm. but it was it was kind of segregated from everything else even though it was all dragon all the dungeons and dragons it was still eberron dungeons and dragons yeah, and I th- I think what he's kind of getting at, and, I, and again, I don't know if he's saying that this thing that he's coming out with is a possible, here's what happened on the day of mourning. I would be shocked yeah, this is speculation. if, I, this if is speculation Keith had an answer for mourning, right? Yeah, I would like, be shocked. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's very sure. interesting. That's why we wanted to talk about it, right? Like, yeah. like not just, I mean, uh, Eberron is, is something that we're all intrigued by, so that kind of dominates our discussion, but like, the idea of finally getting this, it's not just a book about Ravenloft. It's not just a book to help you run Curse of Strahdmet or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a book that is our first true step in 5e towards plane hopping and bringing your character from one world to the next. I mean, there's notations yes. in there for creating your own domain. So even yeah. if there's not an, a magic setting... This is the way to bring it in, right? If 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 Innistrad isn't there, here's a way to get it in there. Um, so I like it. It's it's a very 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 interesting thing that could, depending on how they want to do it, dynamically shift uh, Adventures League as well. Yes. Very mm-hmm. much so, that's and true. I think that that's that's the kind of at least on my end. That's the last piece of this that that I wanted to talk about tonight, which is like, okay, so if you have a place that allows for characters to show up from all of these different setting books, if we get a campaign in there, which we know we are, Mist Hunters or whatever, we should be able to run. You should be able to bring your Eberron character or whatever you want, 
And how interesting is that going to be? Yep. Right? That would be really cool. Maybe that's part of the whole creating Openly a play my during... kinder using halfling statistics. Yeah. 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 Totally. Or grab the Ravnica character rules that haven't been able to be used. I, I, I know I've said Ravnica. Let, let's swap. Theros. Use the Theros rules that mm-hmm. have been just sitting there off to the side, nobody touching them. That are great rules. Yeah. Character yeah. options. Let's bring Wild them not, in. Why not Wildmont? Or uh, yeah. Wildmont. Yeah. Or uh, what else? Um, uh, Acquisitions Incorporated. Yeah. Yep. 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 I think the I think the Ack Inc. book, we're going to side trail here, but I think the Ack Inc. book was, I love the idea of the collaboration, but I think they misstepped by not making it a canon book. Mm-hmm. Because it's a I don't cool think they kind book. of could, though, right? Because it kind of, it was like, it's like, it's like silly D&D. Which is great for what it is, but I don't know that you could really... Can you really bolt it onto D&D? Yes, you absolutely yeah. can, because we just got a whole book on oh, horror. Yeah. Like, you don't have to use it, but it's canon, mm-hmm. right? Like, like this Van Richten's Guide is going to be canon. If, yeah. you can have, if you can have a canon crossover of Eberron and Forgotten Realms via horror, you can have a, oh, here's how to run your own silly company tied in with this canonical silly company that that exists in the forgotten realm and but yeah really when yeah there's a lot of humor to the acquisitions inc stuff but you could strip that away and there are some really cool rules that you could i think make them a little bit more serious and it turns out pretty cool i think the only reason Mm -hmm. that it didn't get there is because i don't know if you guys are familiar or not but that book was going to Kickstarter mm-hmm. via Penny Arcade. And yeah. Wizards stepped in because mm-hmm. they know each other pretty well and they're in the same town, whatever. Um, Wizards stepped in last minute and said, wait, wait, wait. What if we just published it for you? Yeah. So in my mind, like, they probably had some agreement of like, well, we already have all this written. We don't want to change it. This is our stuff. And Wizards was like, well, we don't really want to balance all of this like the idea right. of professions or whatever like we're not gonna accept all that oh you have a new race yeah we don't really want to mess with that so if we bring it all in whole cloth it's not canon it's not al it's not right whatever we want well but, that, man, did they miss the boat so why not do that with wildmont i wonder same thing same reason it's not it's it's D is theirs but the the wild or you know the the uh Taldori, the the critical role stuff, is not D and D's IP, right? So they can't do. Well, they just didn't devote time to it, right? Like, that's the other thing, right? It's like if you want to stand, if you're going to stand behind it being balanced and fit within all of your other stuff, you have to devote your own resources to making sure it's that way, play mm-hmm. testing or otherwise, right? Um, are you going to have um, Jeremy Crawford, you know? comb over all of wild mount for balance issues not if he's not getting paid for it and if he does he have time in his schedule and whatever like and if the answer is no to any of that then it's like well it's, let's, it's over here yeah. it's over here yeah then it's up yeah. to the individual dms and you know if because uh ack inc they have their own adventurers league style organized play campaign i don't know how yeah. if it's still going but they run those at pax at the pax yeah. events and yeah the ones that I've ran mm-hmm. are really cool. Yeah. Um, there was a, 
I can see, I can really see something like that for Wildemount too. If if yeah. uh, the right, well, there's group Living Taldori or whatever. There, there's right, Living so. Taldori, but that's that's not an official yeah. of any kind. That's just a group of people yeah. that got together to do it. Yeah, not that that's bad. It's just it doesn't it doesn't have the push behind them that like if Critical Role would say, hey, we want to pick you guys up and and push you as our official organized play group and keep you going. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, is there anything else tied to this uh, uh, Ravenloft discussion? Yeah, something I want to kind of talk about. Uh, that One of the things about Ravenloft that I've never really glommed onto, hmm. they always say, you know, like like wherever Barovia was, Strahd was this, you know, tortured soul, um, did bad things, the evil was so much that the, the dark powers noticed him, and as a punishment sucked him in, and made him mm-hmm. uh, 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 Lord of uh, Ravenloft in the in the domain. Mm-hmm. Uh, aren't there like a crap ton of of bad guys that are probably just as twisted S- in, S- in Forgotten Realms alone? I mean, what about Aserak? Yeah. In uh, well, that be that would be Greyhawk, but still, what about him? Where's his domain? What about uh, Zastam or Manshoon or, or Halister or any of these other things? What makes the domain, the Dark Powers, pick one tragic evil soul over another? Or am I missing it and Zastam isn't tragic? He's just evil. Is, does, does there have to be an, uh, an entity of tragedy to it, which goes back to... The Seer 1313, if it's a rail station or a rail line or whatever, that makes sense. What happened? What was on that train on the day of mourning to make it so horribly tragic that the Dark Powers selected that out of the entire nation of Seer being destroyed? Why did they select that one little part to turn into a domain? What what was it? You know... Yeah. That to me that's kind of an interesting thing to think about because then you could go back to say what really super tragic area of Dragonlance could they suck in and leave Lord Soth alone if if he's not going to be a, a dreadlord. I mean Lord Soth is if if you're using the if you're using like the if you're using Ravenloft as a template, mm-hmm. right? If you're using Strahd as a template, then it's it makes total yeah. sense why they would grab Soth because he is such an incredibly tragic Ironic. There's a more the moral play behind his story mm-hmm. is just phenomenal. It's one of the things that really makes him such a cool character, um, and what pe- makes people gravitate towards him in the reading of it, yeah. right? Um, so to- it totally makes sense why they would. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that would be like that. He's wholly unique in Dragonlance for that specific reason. Well, that's not necessarily true. You still have Raceland, who's kind of like that, just not nearly as cool. Mm-hmm. As uh, as Soth yeah. was, and and to me, it's like <laughs> I always I always thought of Lord Soth and Strahd as equal in that kind of tragic, oh, yeah. cool. Uh, oh man, you're a, you're you're horrible, but I I think you're awesome at the same time because of that tragedy yeah. that you have wrapped around it. Well, so get this: the, with the where's the the original um, idea of Soth being pulled into the domains of dread was not from a book. It was from the old gold box games. It was from the uh, the Death Knights of Kryn. At the very end of the game, spoiler alert, 
he gets sucked in along with Kidiara into another domain and it does or into a, like a, a uh, another dimension and it doesn't say what it is. And then like a couple of months later, or like a year later, I should say, a year, a year and a half later is whenever the the Sithicus, um book came out. Somebody had played the game and was like, oh, that's a cool idea. Maybe he showed up in Ravenloft. Mm. So a little, little trivia nugget there. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Hmm. So yeah, I, regardless, I'm excited. I want to see what they're going to do with it. Um, I think it would be kind of a cool idea to because there's somebody on the uh, one of the Facebook groups, the Eberron Facebook groups, that in his Eberron, the day of mourning, shot uh, Seer a thousand years into the future. Oh wow! And mm-hmm. they are surrounded by that same fog wall, oh. and everything yeah. outside of Seer. Is like the Mornland. Is the gray. That's oh, right. cool. That's and cool. and the reason why, yeah. So you've got this strange time displacement that that warps everything, and and to me that's very much that sounds very much like what people would think if they got sucked into the domains of dread. Oh, you know something has happened and we've been transposed and they can't get out because of the mist wall. You know, that, so I just think that's really it's a really interesting concept. Maybe the whole nation of in your Eberron, the whole nation of Seer could be a domain of dread, or just mm. use what's in the actual von Richting's guy's That's book. Really interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. I'm excited. I, I'm I'm excited to see what that's all about, and I want to see what Keith Baker has in store. So what's the what's the date for uh, Van Richten's guide? Uh, I want to say um, it's the 18th. 18th. Yeah, Van Richten's guide. So by the time uh, this episode drops, we're going to have about two weeks. Uh, before before that happens, and we're all going to be uh, excited to read those two paragraphs about Eberron. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Go buy the yeah. book to read the two all paragraphs. All this discussion so, for, for like yeah. 500 As soon as I get that book, I, 168. Look, yeah, which, by the way, there are three, there are two, there are two, the Seer and the Forlorn are both on page 168, and it looks like and also the orders of the main address. So really you're going to get like a third of a page at best mm-hmm. about it. So it's basically going to be a story nugget. A, a hook. Oh, yeah. These are story right. scenes. Yeah. Right. So dear listeners, if you see something on the DMs guild or, you know, see a product out there that embellishes, you should let us know. Cause we would love to see it. Yeah. Yes, All right. Indeed. Well, that was a lively chat, and um, you know, it, like Troy said, like uh, like we said at the beginning, this is Troy's audible, but I think it was a good discussion. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was fun, and and now that I understand where John is coming from, because he kept he kept doing the whole the timing, the money, the thing. It's like I don't understand. This is all this is all per their playbook all the time. I don't why why are you why are you calling it out? You you dragonlance purist, you. <laughs> it's like, geez, un- untie, un- 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 uh, un- uh, untie your your panties that are in a wad. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. My t- panties are just fine. I'll think you didn't mind your own damn business. Your dragon lance, <laughs> your dragon lance panties. My my dragon panties. <laughs> I'm wearing my tassel hawks right, today. <laughs> <laughs> that top knot is really uncomfortable. <laughs> Real tight. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, uh, thank you, all, all our dear listeners, for tuning in once yes, again. Yes, indeed. Um, we've got uh, a couple of 
uh, listener request episodes that are coming up next. And um, so Send more in keep if an you eye out for that. Send more in if you got them. Um, thanks to Troy and John for hanging out for another week. Um, if you want to hear more about this, um, if you want to talk to us some more, if you want to play in Ravenloft with us from time to time at Virtual D&D Weekends, there are ways that you can do so. And all of those ways circle around the Bite Size Gaming uh, Facebook page. So head on over there. Give us a like. Give us a follow. And keep your eye out for all our wonderful uh, posts that come down the pipe. Right, all right. right I think that's going to do it. I think it's going to do so it. So until mm-hmm. next week, we'll see you next time. Have a good game, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe out there. All right. <laughs> Girk's stuck on my panties now. Yeah. Or, or maybe John's panties, I don't know. Yo, 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 yo. Stay off my panties. Stay off my panties. Keep yourself on my Hold panties. Open. <laughs> <laughs> Hold <open. laughs>